Welcome to the One Thing Podcast, where we all get to usher in the new age of humanity that we're calling Homo Spiritus. And we do that by practicing dancing with the one thing that individuals, communities, and countries have yet to try and mass. And that one thing is the connection to the higher self part of ourselves, the higher higher anatomy. We call it our true self anatomy. That, And this is the non-physical part of ourselves that extends itself to be the physical part of ourselves by atoms and molecules. And people call this by different names. And that part matters less than that you call it. <laughs> our prime directive as human beings above all else is to constantly return to this connection to this source of life, the one thing connection day in and day out as our first step in dealing with life problems, rather than seeing our problems as separate and things that we can solve separately from this one thing connection. So in this episode, we are going to, David and I are going to explore how to cultivate a little bit of lightness of being to make our path infinitely easier. Yes, indeed. And so, uh, don't brace yourselves for something heavy today. Uh, this is about an antidote to all the heaviness. Uh, because as Lori and I view uh, the presence, our presence uh, on our pla- on the planet uh, and human form, we, we believe our design is lightness of being, that we're really designed for that. And of course, a lot of us, Uh, get programmed out of that. I certainly was one of those people. And I still have moments of forgetting my, my true divine design. Um, But our, our divine is lightness of being because we're made of light and we're learning how to live in that way uh, as, as a a way of living for humanity, for all of humanity. Uh, And so for us, this whole theme of lightness of being is an essential trait of what you've heard us refer to in many episodes of the one thing as homo spiritus, which we view as the next age of humanity, the next epoch in the development of humanity as a species. Right. And we're all on the the leading edge of that evolution, if you will. And when we talk about connecting to this, this higher presence part of ourselves, this higher self, this higher self anatomy, there's a direct line, if you will, of, and that is like a pathway, or I see it as a waterfall of light that flows forth from the sacred heart of our higher presence into our own heart. So this is why our heart center is so vital in everything. But in this conversation, if we have any hope of accessing lightness of being, if we have any hope of evolving into a thriving, um, you know, community or, uh, you know, a species is really the word I'm looking for. Uh, that is one that is ho- out of homo spiritus rather than homo machina. And we've done an episode or two actually on the difference between the two. I would say just to make it easy in this conversation is that if we're only relying on our head, we'll fall prey to more uh, lower human mind and the homo machina version. And we've, we've been there, done that. This is why we're in a, you know, this leading edge um, state of evolution to include our heart, because literally that is where the light 
uh, is accessed. That is where uh, everything that we would ever want to um, have have you know connection to that would to help us to thrive. It will be in this heart centered place. Yes. So, Go yeah. Ahead. Yeah. So I, I was just going to offer just a, a couple of simple ways to connect with the heart. I, I do. I, I like three things. One is I put my hand on my heart center. There's, you know, there's that center that's right between the, the nipples actually be, for both men and women. And then if you put your hand a little bit higher on that uh, sternum chest bone, um, that's our high heart or our sacred heart. So either, either where, either place in that general vicinity um, that you place your hand, you're making a conscious connection. You're dropping your awareness to that part of your body and then taking deep breaths, you know, will give you at least, uh, you know, hopefully a 50, 50, uh, balance between your head and your heart. <laughs> and then the other thing is to literally breathe in and invite and uh, receive and accept th the light. And this takes a little practice from the sacred heart, uh, the, the, the sacred heart flame of your, of your higher presence. Imagine it as a waterfall of light that's dropping into your chest, literally and overflowing your heart center, like a fountain of light, which ends up feeding all of the cells of our body, including overflowing from our physical self into the space, the etheric field around us and uh, filling our field with this light. <clears throat> this is, this is the practice that's vital for us to actually uh, have any degree of centeredness as we move forward in the world in this evolutionary stage. And then the other thing, um, HeartMath is a wonderful uh, organization that's been for, I think now four decades, studying the actual resonance of our heart. It's pretty profound what they have uh, learned about and, and discovered. And so th there's very simple exercises in, in the heart math world, H-E-R-T-M-A-T-H, like math, you know, like numbers. Uh, if you Google it, you'll find everything you need to at least, you know, think if this is something that will work for you to uh, think, consider. So those three things uh, we would offer as, as just beginning places to play with uh, connecting to your heart. Yes, for sure. And I was contemplating this piece about moving uh, down out of our heads and into our hearts and realizing that I know a lot of people, and I was this way too for a good many years, that when I would connect to what I thought of or, or believed to be or experienced, it wasn't just thinking, experienced mm -hmm. to be my heart. What I connected with was pain, heart pain. Yeah. Well, that that's an interesting and very good point. Cause we talked about, uh, I think in the last or the second to the last ago episode about emotional pain, what it means to govern ourselves. And this is an important wording is to manage and govern our own emotional pain. Our, um, our heart center is what carries our emotional pain. Well, it, it's no accident that heart disease is the number one killer in the US and I think in the West, if I'm not uh, mistaken. We, we are so disconnected from our heart that it's literally so painful that it's trying to get our attention by intelligent promptings to pay more attention to our heart. So I would suggest that there's a way through that pain as long as we uh, stay connected to our higher selves and invite 
our higher self to teach us how to move through that pain, transcend that pain, alchemize that pain into a higher serving form of energy, which is always going to be love. And the heart is the, the, you know, the command center, if you will, the motherboard of love. So, um, I, I have had that same experience, David, is that, you know, that pain and, and it makes the mind want to run away. But I would say if you can sit with it for as long as you can, and then come back to it, make it a practice, then that will no longer be the dominant experience when connecting with the heart. Yes. I am so glad you said all of that. And it, I think it's really important because the, the kind of connecting with our heart that we're exploring in this episode is connecting with the divine energy of heart, the, uh, the native, the, the real state, the, our, our, our heritage, our true spiritual. So in contrast to heart pain, uh, we we want to review with you some of the qualities that we see in lightness of being in the kind of heart connection that we're covering in this episode. And I'm just going to briefly say what each of these qualities or attributes are of lightness of being that we're going to touch on, and then we'll unpack them one at a time. So we're going to touch briefly on humor, breath, playfulness, spaciousness, and self-care. So we'll start off with humor. <laughs> and of course, humor is really a key to accessing lightness of being in our heart. There was a classic book written decades ago by a journalist uh, who developed a life-threatening illness uh, named Norman Cousins, who essentially his book was about laughing his way back to health from a life-threatening illness. And, uh, and so what he did in his hospital room is that he just fed himself a daily ongoing diet of, of humor, comedy, stand-up comedy, yeah. comedy shows, uh, anything he could get his hands on that made him laugh. And so laughter giggling is one of the attributes. It's one of the qualities of lightness of being. And this was, uh, this was one of the first qualities of lightness of being that was um, pointed out to me uh, in a very <laughs> ironically stern way when I was around 20 years old and I was busy being absorbed in my intensity and the heaviness of everything and, you know, existential, uh, drama and all, all of that stuff. And my friend at the time said to me, David, don't you realize it's all much too serious to be serious about? <laughs> and I didn't react well to his saying that to me in that moment, but I, he really made an impression on me. And as I sat with what he said to me, it started to dawn on me that my love of intensity was actually getting in the way of my spiritual development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So connecting with humor is one of the 
attributes or qualities of lightness of being that we want to showcase and emphasize with you today? Yeah, they're not the only, uh, these aren't the only ways, but they're, they're like David said, just ones that we wanted to showcase. And I'd also like to say that these attributes are actually medicine. They're medicine for our heart and they're medicine for our mind and they're medicine for our body and our spiritual connection. So, you know, medicine doesn't just come in the form of a prescription or, you know, an herbal remedy or that, that sort of thing. It comes in all kinds of variety and we're, we're a bit, um, you know, narrowly focused, I think, in our Western culture. And so we just want to ask you to sort of widen your viewpoint of what medicine could actually be. Yes. So, and uh, before you go on, yeah. in saying that, I realized that that's something else I wanted to touch on about humor is that I see our culture over the decades as having become more and more humor limited, yes. humor blocked. And yes. I am in no way ever a fan of of shaming and and ridicule and criticism and put downs masquerading as humor because that's not humor right what i am a huge fan of is delimiting what we can engage in authentic humor about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. there should be no topic that is off limits in terms of engaging in true authentic humor mm-hmm yeah. Spirit or source or, you know, the source of life, whatever you refer to that as is actually um, has a good sense of humor. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to just explore that in yourself. And then another attribute is connecting with our breath. Um, just the simple act of, of taking in the cosmic life forces through an inhale and letting them sort of m- assimilate into our body and then exhaling what we no longer need. That is actually the circle of life. And it's impossible to be in a state of stress when we're breathing slowly and deeply and rhythmically. So, you know, it's just that we have to remember, right? So whatever associations you can make with having a deep breath, maybe every time you get a text or every time you take a sip of a liquid or, you know, something you can associate with that you do on the regular all throughout the day, take a deep breath, you will be giving yourself a very good medicine. Yes, indeed. And another quality that we wanted to touch on and and showcase about uh, about lightness of being has to do with playfulness. Uh, You know, if you think about animals, uh, think about a dog or a cat or or a pet. They will only go into a playful state when they feel safe and protected. And when I lose touch with my playfulness, I know I've learned to recognize that that means that I've lost touch with my connection with the one thing. Because whenever I feel myself deeply connected with the one thing I feel safe and protected. I don't mean defensive. I mean, enveloped in love and light, uh, that kind of safety and protection. And the, the playfulness that it's a funny thing, because when I think about my relationship with playfulness, I am aware of the ways in which I'm intense and uh, where I can be pretty, you know, heavy and things along those lines. And yet the feedback that I 
consistently get from people in offhand, uh, you know, not expecting it spontaneous kinds of ways is they see the child in me. They see the playfulness in me. They see my lightheartedness. And in a sense, they're actually seeing past my head and past my intensity to the most precious sacred part of my humanness, which is my childlikeness, my my ability to play. I don't mean being childish. I don't mean being Peter Pan who never grows up. I mean childlike wonder and delight and enthusiasm and that kind of playfulness, which I am so grateful to be able to access quite easily at this point in my life, unless I'm off track and disconnected from Todd. <laughs> right. And that's probably true for, for most of us. And, and yeah. that, that place that you're describing, that childlike place is really a place of innocence and purity. Yes. And that, that in that connected place, um, there is an automatic divine safety and protection. I remember once I, I was waiting for someone to come over and they were like an hour late and I, I, I don't know, the, the doorbell rang. I thought it was the person that was going to come over and it, there was nobody at the door. And I walked back through the dining area and there was, there was this weird fella, you know, a, a guy sort of laid out on the deck in a, in a position looking at me really funny. And I was so, so scared. And I called the police and they came and there was nobody there. And I, at one point I thought, I wonder if that even happened. I mean, I, it did. I'm not, I wasn't making it up. But what I heard right away is that you are safe and protected in your divinity. Those were the words that dropped in. And so it took me a number of years to explore that. And at the beginning of this episode, we were talking about inviting this light into our hearts and allowing it to spill over and fill our field. That's our protective field. It's not a pushing against or it's not a, you know, a mechanism of defense, as David mentioned. It's a fullness of light that is automatically uh, sets us up as safe and protected, and it creates a spaciousness. So this is the the, the uh, next attribute, which is a spaciousness. When we're operating throughout our day in this spacious field of light, and light carries love. This is my experience. And then when I when I think about what I have to do, or you know, and I start feeling a tenseness around that because all that to do list and all that, I just put those things in my field. This is actually something that uh, Gay Hendricks has written about in his book, The Big Leap, called Einstein Time. If you place things in the quantum field and you allow your higher presence or your higher self, who's way more wise and intelligent and sees the larger picture than we do, <laughs> then things just get shown to us as the next best thing to do. And we can do that all in a easeful, lighthearted way when we set ourselves up in this kind of spaciousness that includes a lightness that is in through and around us. Yes, beautifully, beautifully said. And you are also going to, I think, touch on the self-care piece. Did you want to say more oh, about right. that? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it is really hard to not fall prey to, you know, negative thinking and, and programming and even thought forms that are floating around in, in the airwaves that we don't even know are there because we don't see them. Um, 
this is another reason why our field is so important because thought forms don't penetrate that light field. Light is the strongest force and power in the multiverse. So we have to remind ourselves that anything that we're afraid of in, you know, in the, in the third dimensional boots on the ground life, if, if we invite light into it, it will teach us what's true about that thing that we think we're afraid of. Um, kind of thing. But it's hard to access all of that when we aren't taking good care of ourselves. So if our nutrition is poor, if we're not moving our body, if we aren't getting enough sleep, we're going to fall into old patterns and old autopilot and old brain tracks that sort of drag us down the wrong path. But when we do take care of ourselves, then we have a different um, energetic balance in our system. And we and we have a, an easier time accessing these these um, elements of and attributes of lightness of being. So it's just another plug for taking good care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And uh, so we're, we're going to move on to another aspect of lightness of being that has to do with simplicity mm. because lightness of being really points us toward simplicity instead of complication and clarity instead of confusion. Um, and I, you know, I I'll speak for myself knowing that I'm not just speaking for myself, but just in terms of taking responsibility when my mind is complicating things and feeling locked in confusion, uh, in contrast to feeling at peace in a, in a, what, in Zen tradition is called a beginner's mind state or state of not knowing I'm pointing myself in the direction of heaviness, not lightness of being. And what I would add about that is that the big learning for me, because I love going deep into stuff and the big learning for me is that depth and complication are not the same. Mm, good point. Let me repeat that because that, that, that feels important to me, not just for me uh, and not just for you as, as a listener, it feels important to me for humanity. Mm -hmm. Depth and complication are not the same. Divine depth feels nourishing and lighthearted, whereas complicatedness feels draining and heavy. And so that's another bellwether around, uh, around lightheartedness. If I'm in the kind of complicatedness in my mind that, that feels draining and heavy, I'm not being deep. I'm being complicated. Which, which automatically points to being disconnected. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have the same thing too. I think we all do, but this, you know, as we repetitively say on our show, the practice is the, the things like what we're talking about, right? The practice is connecting and then being willing to be shown. What does it mean to be simple? What does it mean to think through something in a simple way? Like spirit would, <laughs> Right. And we're not talking about oversimplification here, like Einstein no. talked about. Simple enough. Just clear, just clear and simple. But not too simple, not oversimplified. We're not talking about making things trite or shallow. Yeah. Right, right. I guess we could say we're just talking about the opposite of complicated, which would be clear and 
uncomplicated. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because the thing is, is we have a choice in any given moment. Uh, we, we can either be in a state of suffering and overcomplicating things that causes overwhelm and overwork and over responsibility and all these over the line things. That's a form of suffering. And just, I'm going to be blunt and say this. I'm not the only one who says it, but human beings are addicted to suffering and most human beings don't actually know that. So it, we get to choose whether we, we want to stay addicted to suffering or in this split moment, and we call on our higher presence to teach us how to, how to access this lightness of being. And of course, we have to do that over and over in order to kind of re-entrain ourselves back to what would be our divine design. Yes. And, and we're not just addicted to suffering, but many people... Um, spiritualize suffering they yeah. they actually reframe suffering as a form of spirituality right and there is a, is such a thing as the kind of pain that burns karma out of us or that burns baggage out of us that's not what we're talking about when we're using the word suffering right now we're what what we're talking about with suffering is actually a very uh, a very shadowy form of self-indulgence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that leads us to our two simple takeaways. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Simple and lighthearted. The first takeaway has to do with a fundamental choice that each of us is faced with making, which is to decide whether lightness of being is truly important enough to you to cultivate into a more and more and more ongoing state. Yes, perfect. And I would I would add that if your mind tries to tell you that it's boring to um, choose lightness of being and simplicity over complicated, uh, don't believe your mind. <laughs> it's not boring. It, it it your mind might feel bored because it doesn't have as much. Uh, intensity and stimulation as it's used to, but it will fall into line in due time if if you stay stay the course. And then the other takeaway we invite you into is, and this is, you know, this is we we don't ever say things in these conversations that we both don't practice and do ourselves. So uh, even imperfectly. Even yeah, however imperfectly, the, the point is to be in the game, not on the sidelines, as Brene Brown so beautifully states. But this, all of these things, and this in particular, this lightness of being, this reaching into that, is it requires practice and practice and more practice. So maybe you pick one theme per day where um, you know, or pick two or three that you you write down and you'll play with, you know, one at a time. To, to where you could, you can get a sense of what it feels like to have a lightness of being around that particular theme until it feels more natural. And you'll discover under this hot air blanket that the mind would throw down the ego mind, the lower human mind, that it's too boring. Underneath that is exquisite satisfaction and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So go, go practice, pick, Pick some topics that matter to you and, and see what your uh, your heart has in store for you in the lightness of being realm. Mm -hmm. 
Well said. Which brings us to what we're going to be touching on in the next episode, which is on cancel culture and how that mindset, the cancel culture mindset, no matter where we're talking about on the political or ideological continuum, because canceling is going on everywhere. Um, so uh, the how how the cancel culture mindset undermines homo spiritus and how to buy out of this toxic yet all too popular mindset. And with that, until next time, with great lightheartedness mm -hmm. and simplicity, remember to dance with your better half, the one thing, so you can keep living more and more fully as homo spiritus.